0: We doing well? Everybody good after Thanksgiving and all of the stuff? Uh, Quinn said she forgot the rolls and so she's been kicked out of her family. Um, I bought not name brand mini marshmallows which was of great offense to my wife. Uh, anybody else? Anybody? Nobody? Everybody else was just perfect? Alright, good. That's good to hear. Good to hear. I'm glad it's just the two of us who screw up everything once again. Anyway, so hey, we are so glad you were here. Let me, let me give you two important announcements. The first one being uh, we have about 17 kids left on our Merge Christmas Kids adventure. Uh, if you would like to adopt a kid this Christmas season, what we do is we work with uh, One Love down here in Azel as they help provide uh, for some Christmas Relief for some families, and so uh, on the card there, in the information, there is, uh, uh, each kid will receive a pair of shoes, pair of pants, a shirt, a jacket, and then a couple toys. And so, uh, what we're asking is that on December the 13th, you bring those back here, Uh, we will uh, gather them together, we'll pray over them. Uh, and then uh, we ask also that you don't wrap the presents, you just bring them in the big bag. Uh, that way when we deliver them, they will uh, wrap them for us and make sure they get delivered. And so it's a great way of loving God by loving people this Christmas season. Uh, and then secondly, in your talk notes, there's an announcement about uh, merge groups that we are making an audible about. I'd already printed the talk notes and Chris was like, hey, we're, we're not paying for more prints, bro. Uh and like he threw his fist on the ground, on the table and pointed at me really aggressively. And so, um, so here's here's the audible we're going to make. Uh, we were beginning December two. We were going to uh, be combining our into some merged family groups to go over the chosen. Uh, Mark and I were discussing it uh, this past couple, this past week. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and go to our typical. Uh, merge group hiatus during the month of December like we normally will do and then we're going to pick that up in January Uh, and so our hope is that through that time we're going to talk to you more about uh, just the the way that we're going to structure that, uh, what we hope to do and how we hope to encourage you uh, to begin having some intentional conversations in your home with your families and, and possibly with some other families. And so uh, so we're going on our adult group and our student group hiatus in, for the month of December uh, and then we'll be picking back that back up in January. Is that?
1: January.
0: Do you understand what I was saying? Alright, if... Chris gets it, then everybody gets it. That's what I always say. So, uh, with that being said, today we are having an all-family communion service like we typically do. And so, if uh, when you sat down in your seat, if you um, saw, oh, snack time, uh, and you already ate that little communion thing and drank the, you're going to need to grab another one. Um, and so, we'll, we'll take part of that uh, all together here in the next couple of days, We're, uh, in the next couple of minutes. And so, hopefully it doesn't rain on us like it did last week for... The uh, 35 seconds that it did rain and everybody was gone, uh, like literally it stopped raining 30 seconds after we dismissed. and like, but you guys were already at Lubies, and so uh, you're like, got to beat the Baptist today. And so, uh, Lubies, yeah, but it's a long drive to get some Lubies from here. So anyways, none of you kids really get that bit, but you know, some of you older people, you get it, right? So, hey, we are so glad you're here. Let's take a moment, let's stand to our feet, let's shake the man, say it's good to see you.
1: we
2: Father, you are a Waymaker, you are a miracle worker, that is who you are, Father, and I pray this morning right now that it is our desire song. It's called Simple Gospel. We try so, so often to make following Jesus this difficult task, this difficult concept, this difficult choice. Try to imagine the site where Jesus looks at Peter and says, Just come follow me. Peter drops everything and does so. Tells Matthew, Hey, stop stop being a tax collector, just come follow me right now. Leave this and follow me. And Matthew does so. And what looks like a simple choice. I pray that we would just know you.
1: I want to know you, been told to be ashamed. Lord, I've been told I don't measure up. Lord, I've been told I'm not good enough. You're hearing me. I reach out to
0: Can go ahead and have a seat for a second. We um oh man, I love those words. I love the bridge that says I've been told I don't measure up, I've been told all of these things either either by myself or by my world or by the enemy. And then we get to this point that you you find me, God. And you find me in the dust. That you find me. And that's kind of where we've been settling for the better part of, of two months, right? That God hears the cries of His people and He moves in their direction. And they are found by him and because they are found by him they are rescued they are provided for they are loved and over the the past couple of months we've we've walked with the Israelites in these moments and there have been a few that they've they've got right and then there've been a few that they've Felt miserably at and and really we offer them grace in those moments because simply what we've said is that they are revealing and exposing parts of our lives where we find ourselves struggling to trust in the goodness of God. That no amount of untruths can separate us from the promises. That He has given us, and and I find in moments like this morning, um, just just circling my own my own heart of saying, okay, do I truly believe in these promises of God or not? Because if I did, shouldn't my life look drastically different than the way that it perhaps does? Then maybe maybe you can identify with me that that if we really did believe in the promises of God, that we would spend a lot less nights staring at a ceiling, thinking through the variety of things that we catch ourselves thinking through. Maybe maybe we would have a, a looser grip on the things that we tend to hold and grasp so tightly to, believing that if, we lost them then we would lose everything and and the truth is god says with me anything you lose you gain because you get me so the israelites have been walking with god and and what i believe i've we've seen over these few weeks is that is that here they are escaping slavery escaping a place that was a nightmare to them and then they will Always be looking ahead at to, uh, not always at times they will be looking ahead toward the promised land and then then life will get difficult and then they'll look back and they will they will try to convince themselves that this life back here was actually maybe not so bad and it was horrible they hated it. And if you remember, we, we got to the beginning of Exodus, and, and, and it says that, that God's people cried out to him for deliverance, and he heard their cries. And so we're left in the Exodus, and really uh, not just the book of Exodus, but the remainder of the Israelites' exodus towards the promised land, kind of asking this question when are they saved? Like, like, when when do they breathe out a sigh of relief saying, now I know I am rescued by my God? And my contention is simply this, that they were saved the moment God spoke to Moses and said, we're coming to get them. And I think actually we can make a case that they were saved the entire time, even in their slavery, because God had told uh, Jacob, hey, you're you're going to send your people to Egypt and they will be there for a while and then life will get difficult, but then I will bring them out of that land. That, there's never been a moment. There's never been a moment in the Exodus that God was caught off, off guard. Never once. And so the story of the Exodus isn't about a people coming out of slavery from Egypt, and, and but if we want to throw ourselves as the the main characters into the story, we will very easily think it is. And the story of the Exodus isn't about these people going, entering the promised land eventually, even though if we want to make ourselves the center of this story, we can very easily think that that's the pursuit, and, and that they will be saved the mo- the moment... Joshua leads a new generation into the promised land and they'll say finally God was held up to his end of the bargain the story of the exodus hear me when I say this is about the presence of God with his people every single moment every time there was Uh, a, a spot where they stopped and they were, for instance, at the Red Sea and they say, this is an impassable sea and this is a formidable force behind me. In that moment, it's not about the sea opening up, it's about God providing and protecting His people every single time. When they get to the other side of that Red Sea, and they see God collapse those waters upon their enemies, they get to walk into a wilderness, and he very quickly they become hungry. They become thirsty. And then what, what do they do? They start to whine, and they start to complain, and God provides for them. But it's not about the provision, it's about the presence of God. That He leads them Each and every day by a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night. And so if they wandered to a spot that they could not see that cloud or they could not see that fire, they know visibly they're in the wrong spot. Because this walk, this journey is about the presence of God with His people. In fact, God says as much when we get to Exodus 29 he says and they shall know that i am the lord their god who brought them out of the land of egypt that i might dwell among them i am their lord i am their god like you reach out to me and you find me in the dust Why our Heavenly Father would want to put up with the likes of us boggles my mind. But He does. He says, you are mine. So when the enemy comes and says, no, you're not good enough, you say, I'm not, clearly. But I have a God who has rescued me in Jesus, and He is more than enough. When fear wants to overtake you, you can look and you say, to my own devices and upon my own worth, absolutely, you could win. But God comes in through Jesus and He says, I will equip you and I will strengthen you. I will provide for you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I will not allow the enemy to destroy you. So so both the means and the end of of Israel's redemption, everything about their purpose and their identity and their future and their freedom could be understood in the terms of God's presence. Always. And the same thing applies for us, that, that through the remainder of the Israelites' journey from the mountain to the promised land, He would continue to make His presence known among them. And he does so through the tabernacle. And and, and tabernacle is simply this, this portable Mount Sinai. If you remember, uh, we, we spent some time when they decided to make a golden calf to worship. Uh, they do it at the base of Mount Sinai because they could see through thunder and lightning and cloud and storm, they could see that Moses is up there speaking to God and God is ratifying his covenant with his people up there. And, and so, so what God instructs Moses to do, and it's kind of the back end of the book of Exodus, he says, I want you to build a tabernacle and it will be this portable Mount Sinai that, that I will come and I will dwell amongst my people and they shall worship me. And it would, be, it would become the centerpiece of their lives. It would be this visible sign of God's continuing favor as He dwelled among His people by his, his nearness. In fact, the book of Exodus wraps up this way in chapter 40, in verse 34. It says, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle throughout all their journeys. Whenever the cloud was taken up over um, the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, and the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. And so, so what happens is, is, in a sense, the tabernacle was as much the Israelites' destination as the promised land. If they saw God dwelling in the tabernacle, they knew they were exactly where they were supposed to be. And I think we, we've spent time in these verses these past few months, and, and I'm left believing the Exodus was not as much about the Israelites escaping, and it was never really about where they were going, that the Exodus is a reminder of God's presence among His people. But Once we see this, the climax of this book shows its intentions. That Israel didn't get didn't seem to get this. And, and we can offer them grace because I, I don't know if we do. I honestly don't know if if we do or not. Because uh, gold facts are that we tend to set our sights on, on very godless promised lands. Destinations that, that promise every good thing but God Himself. And, and we're still willing to go. And we also... We also run from places that at one point we deemed as promised lands that now seem to have turned on us. And and I think in, in both rescue and the guidance, the rest, the presence of God Himself. And and so really the, the question that we we circle at the end of our time in this series is is this is that is God your promised land? Is his presence all that you need? I've heard this question posed, and I, I think it's prevalent in my own life, and I hope it's a gift to you. I've, I've heard it asked by, by both C.S. Lewis and, and John Piper, and, um, and it's, essentially it's this, that, that would you be satisfied to go to heaven, which is, is our promised land, and have everybody in the family that you want there, that you would have all the health and all the restoration of, of your prime that, that you would have everything you disliked about yourself fixed and have every recreation you've ever dreamed available to you, that you would have infinite resources to spend, would you be satisfied if God weren't there? And you see, I, I think most Americans, and, and I wonder if many Christians understand the gravity that, 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 that God... And specifically for us, Christ is the central treasure and the goal of our lives. We can get that so confused. And it's so easy, so easy to get that confused. That that the fact that our Heavenly Father finds us in the dust. The fact that He sends His Son to rescue us. It's more than enough. It's more than enough. And it should be more than enough. And it should elicit more from us as a response of worship than it typically does. And I say that with love because I'm I'm with you. Like it's in these moments that that I catch ourselves, I catch myself, and I catch us as a people praying for God to do a thousand different things, and we never ask a, ask Him just to allow us to sit in His presence. We never ask Him to to, to reveal Himself the way Moses does. He just says, "He says, God, I don't, I don't care about anything else. I just want to see Your glory, and if You would show me Your glory, that would be more than enough." And what did, what did God do in that moment? He says, "You can't." You can't see me fully because you die. It'd be, it'd be so incredible for you. Your heart would burst, man. But, but God <laughs> looks at him when he says, He says, Mo, here's what I'm going to do because I love you. I'm going to cover you. I'm going to cover your eyes. And I'm going to put you in a cleft. And I'm going to walk past you, and you're going to see the train of my robe. And that's what he sees, and it's more than enough. There has never been a moment in your life, in our lives, in the history of mankind, that God has not been truthful to his word. Never once. Now, has he failed to live up to your expectations at times? Perhaps. But that's only because your expectations are sinful. That's because your view is short-sighted. And I say that in love because if, it's, if it applies to you, it clearly gets to apply to me and so we can all find grace today. So we want freedom. And ultimately, that's what the Israelites want. And I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. It says, where the Spirit... Of the Lord is. There. Is freedom. Right there. In that moment. So what it tells me is this. It, it tells me. That if I am searching somewhere. That the spirit of the Lord is not. I will not find. Freedom. Can't do it. Because all the freedoms that we're looking for. All the satisfactions. That, that we're searching for are found in the presence of our Heavenly Father. I mean, what a a simple song that we just sing. I want to know you, Lord. I want to know you. I don't want to know about you. I don't want to know characteristics of you. I want to know you. And I wonder in these moments where our hearts are. Because the Israelites followed a cloud and they followed a pillar of fire. They built the tabernacle and then when God says, hey, we're moving, they would tear it down and they would move it along. And it makes me wonder in those moments, where do we think God's presence is? is like did those Israelites look down across the river and they saw a promised land and did they convince themselves I will finally get to know God once I'm there or do they look back as as they've been rescued and they say you know I, I think I knew God when I was there but now I'm here and I don't know how it works anymore. We're in a very portable situation in our church, right? I wonder how many of us come in here each week thinking, well, once we get to a permanent building, then God will really start to move. And do you realize that God has never been limited upon space? Never once. I wonder how many of us are are looking at our current financial or... or um, Uh, employment situation thinking, well, once I can get to this level, then I'm sure God will really start to move in my life. I wonder how many of us are looking at our past and and, and are still weighed down by sins that, that God has forgiven you for. And we say, if I can only get past that, then I'm sure God will make Himself known in my life. And I'm telling you, It's not about what you're looking forward to or what you're looking back from. It's in these moments, as you breathe your breath today, that God says, my presence is enough. Because with his presence comes his protection. With his presence comes his provision. With his presence comes all of his promises. Every single one of them. So so here's what we get to do today. We get to thank God that we don't have to tear down a tabernacle. We we get to thank God that when he sends his son Jesus into our lives, one of the many benefits, one of the greatest gifts is the indwelling Holy Spirit. Jesus will look at his disciples and he'll say, it's better that I would go because I will die for your sins. I will cover the weight of the debt of your sins at the cross. And then I will show my reign as king of kings and Lord of lords as I come back to life during the resurrection. And he says, it's better that I go so that the counselor can come. And the good news for you and me this morning is that when we say, I want to know you, Lord, if you have Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, you have the Holy Spirit, and he makes himself known to you. And so what we do every year on this weekend is we gather and we stop and we give thanks as we remember what Jesus has done for us. And specifically this morning, what I would hope that we would do is that we would give thanks for the promise that God has given us, that God gave the Israelites, that God has created, uh, entered into covenant with us, that His presence is our promised land. That when we are with Him, No matter the situation, we're exactly where we're supposed to be. Exactly. So here's the way this works there's two parts to your um, two in one cup right here. You could take the top spot, and there's a wafer. Jeff, I'm sorry, it's not Nilla. It's just a wafer. But when we do communion, what we do is we go back to this moment that the Bible calls the Last Supper. And it just so happens to be the Last Supper that Jesus will have with his disciples before uh, going to the cross, before he is... Betrayed and arrested and put on trial and flogged and beaten and and nailed to the cross My my favorite gospel that talks about this entire scene comes in john In fact, we get about four chapters worth of this this intimate dinner conversation that jesus has with his people with his disciples But it says he he takes the bread and he breaks it and he looks at his disciples, and, and admittedly, they don't understand what's going on because he is, uh, multiple times, he will tell them, Hey, I'm about to die, and I'm going to uh, you know, die for you. And they're like, What? I don't get it. Right? And that's fine because they're not living, they're living life in real time. But he takes some bread and he breaks it. And he says, This is my body, and it's being broken for you. And so so what we do when we partake of this communion element is is we remember that the price of our salvation was not free, that it came at a huge cost. And we remember in this moment the body of Jesus who is both real God. In real man, it was not just a, a fictitious character that that he he came and he dwelled among us. In fact, our next couple of weeks are going to be spent looking towards his arrival as we enter into our Advent season. But for today, we stop and we thank him for. His willingness to submit to the authority of His Heavenly Father. To do what He had been sent to do. Father, we come to You. We thank You. That You find us in the dust. We thank You that You care for us passionately. We thank you that your presence is our promised land. So Father, we come to you in this moment and we we stop, we remember, and we say thank you for the body of your Son. You may partake of the bread. Now you can slowly, I would recommend slowly, him back to the juice. So as he breaks the bread, he says, this is my body that's been broken for you. And he passes bread around. He says, take and eat. Next, he takes wine. And he says, this is my blood that's being poured out for you. Did You see, without an offering, there is no remission of sin. So without the spilling of blood, there cannot be forgiveness found. And, and it's through the blood of Jesus that we are washed, but, but not just cleaned up. But we are washed, as, the, as Isaiah will say, whiter than snow. That there would be no impurity found in us. When, the, when our Heavenly Father looks at us because He sees us through the lens of Jesus, who's our great mediator, who's our great high priest, who's making a continual offering for us in Himself. So, like the bread, we come in these moments and we just... We slow our minds, we slow our hearts, and we stop... We remember the blood that was poured out on our behalf. That you are known, if you are in Jesus, you are known by your Heavenly Father through this blood. So when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through me. It is through His blood that makes access to our Heavenly Father possible. So, so when you sing, and better yet, when you mean the words that you sing, when you say, I want to know you, Lord, it's through that lens. Father, we thank you for the love that your Son had for you, has for you. We thank you for his blood that's poured out for us. And we stop, we remember, and we give thanks. You may partake.
1: Toward you and give you peace. Let's sing that again. The Lord bless you. Please favor, be upon you in a thousand generation and your family and your children and the children and the children please favor be upon you in a thousand generation and your family and your children and the children and the children please presence before you, and behind you, and beside you, around you, within you, he is with you, he is with you in the morning, in the evening, and you're coming, and you're going, and you're weeping and rejoicing, is for you, he's 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 for you. It's for you, you His presence will you and behind you and beside you, all around you, and within you. He is with you. He is with you. In the morning, in the evening, in your coming, in your going, you're weeping, you're rejoicing. He is for you. 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 For you. For you. For you, for you, for you. Yeah. And i And, amen, and amen. Singing, I'm in. And, amen, and amen.
2: I'm in right now. we thank you so much for this chance that we have right now to meet together in your presence. I ask uh, this week as we get the opportunity daily to live out your word to live out your truth and no no untruth can separate us from you and I pray that we walk in that this week. Father, we love you. We do this in your son's beautiful name and all God's people said. Amen, Amen. you guys are dismissed. Hope you have an awesome week.